I want to quote, I want to read a quote for you guys from J.I. Packer. How many of you are familiar with J.I. Packer? He's a great theologian, great author. He's got some incredible books that he's written, Knowing God and some other great texts uh, that are uh, very popular and, and will be uh, popular for generations to come. They're so good. But listen to what J.I. Packer says as we're talking here about hosting the Holy Spirit. You can follow along on the screen. The Christian's life and all of its aspects, intellectual and ethical, devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing in witness, all of that, he says, the Christian's life and all of its aspects is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it, talking about the, the Christian life. So apart from Him, the Holy Spirit, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, there will be no believers and no congregations at all. How many of you can say an amen to that? In other words, you have to get in your mind that if the, if the Christian walk is not lived in the supernatural, you're really not living the Christian walk at all. And that if the Holy Spirit is not present in our midst, before you know it, there will be no lively believers or lively congregations because the Holy Spirit brings the life. And I want to encourage us, if, if you're in a rut or you're stuck or you're overwhelmed or you're paralyzed, it's time to get out of the natural and step into the supernatural. And we're going to teach you how to do that. We're all learning how to do that, by the way. Nobody's an expert on that. But last week, we, we laid some good track. We talked about the Holy Spirit, His name, the Holy Spirit. We said that the word the or the Holy Spirit reminds us of his unique place. He is singular in his identity. He is unique in his role. Uh, and he should be honored as God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity. Amen? He is the Holy Spirit. He is also holy, which reminds us that his job, he comes like fire, and his job is to change us so that we become more like Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is present in our life, we will not be growing in sin. If the Holy Spirit is present in our life, addictions will be broken off of our lives. How many know that's what he does? And so if you're having a problem with sin or you're having a problem with addiction, let me tell you what the remedy is. You need to repent and you need to surrender to the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And you need to rely on him to burn with his fiery purity to burn out all the dross inside of our hearts. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we said he is a spirit. He is not something that's contained, someone that's contained in a body. He's not a spirit like a demon or an angel or even the human spirit. Uh, uh, he is the Holy Spirit. He is unique in his ability to move with freedom and power. And he is unique in his ability to be everywhere at once. Aren't you grateful for that? So the same Holy Spirit can be speaking to all of us this morning in a unique and personal way because he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's, he's omnipotent. Isn't that awesome? So that's who he is, and we have to learn to honor him as that and recognize who he is and embrace him into our lives. Now, this is Recommitment Sunday, and I want to preach into what we're doing today as it relates to the Holy Spirit, because here's the deal. I want us to move forward in faith. How many of you know there are churches that are not open this Sunday because they're shut down, because when a choice had to be made to move in faith and to lead God's people in faith or to remain in fear, they chose the latter, and they're not existent today. There's tens of thousands of churches in America that haven't opened back up, and they probably won't open back up. Let me tell you why. Because every time we choose to move in fear and unbelief, we agree with hell, and when you agree with hell, you get hellish results. Yes. But every time, and hear me on this, every time you choose to move in faith, God honors faith. 
And every time you choose, if you'll default in faith, even if you err on the side of presumption, God still honors your presumptuous faith because you're erring on the right side, not the wrong side. In other words, be more zealous to keep believing God than you are to move in unbelief. Is this making sense? So, so I'm just telling you, everything we do, if, if we want the Holy Spirit's blessing, we need to act like the Holy Spirit is God and that the Holy Spirit can do anything and everything. I was telling Marin, I was amazed in, in our atmosphere, and we, we spent probably an hour on the back porch just talking about what God did. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, you know, if you'll honor me and you'll invite me into your gathering, I can do things in such a simple way, connecting the dots in people's lives, speaking into their situation, bringing revelation, and then bringing transformation. That's what I do. And if you'll just make room for me, I will blow your mind every single time you gather. Or you can just be religious and put together your program, run your program, and go home with nothing happening. You know, I told you all that story when I had a chance to pray for a gal, and the Lord spoke that word to me, and I had a choice to either obey what God was saying, which seemed foolish to me, or to just pray my religious prayer. And I was arguing with the Lord, and the Lord just said, fine, just pray your religious prayer and watch nothing happen. And then I realized, oh, he got me on that one. And so I took the risk of being foolish, but when I took the risk of being foolish, I realized I was moving in supernatural wisdom. How you know the, the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to the world? Because it's not about me or my reputation. So he let me, he, he trusted me with a simple number. I shared that number, and it was like a well went off in this girl's heart because that number that I shared was the year that she was molested. She had never told anybody. It came gushing out of her. And God healed that girl so much so that the next week when we got together, her countenance, she did not even look like the same woman. All the Holy Spirit gave me was a number, a number. And I, I, told him, I told her when I was getting ready to pray for her, I know this is weird, and it probably doesn't mean anything to you, and it's just kind of crazy, but I just keep getting this number. It's the number, and I tell her, and then explosion. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is, is, is not childish, but he's very childlike? Yes. He's simple. He knows how to speak to us. He's gentle. He's so smart because he's God. And if we'll honor him, he wants to do crazy things in our midst. So can anybody get a vision with me that the week that we just had and the women that were powerfully touched and are going back to their churches, that we could be a watering well and do this on a regular basis throughout the year and bless tens of thousands of people over the course of a year? Anybody got a vision for that? That's, by the way, why we're moving forward in faith. That's why we're tearing up that parking lot and why we're doing what we're doing on this NOW campaign. Let me, um, let me get to uh, life before the Holy Spirit was poured out this morning. I, how many of you know Jesus did not leave his, his betrayal and his crucifixion and his resurrection a surprise? He like talked about it a lot with the disciples, right? But I want you to see what happens. Look what happened in Mark chapter 9, verse 31. He, Jesus, said to them, talking to the disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies, and he will be killed and then three days later, he will rise from the dead. Now, how many of you understood that with me this morning? It's not that complicated, is it? I'm going to be betrayed, Jesus speaking. They're going to kill me. Three days later, boom, I'm rising from the dead. Look at what it says next. It's not in your notes, but it's in your Bible. They didn't understand what he was saying. And they were afraid to ask. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, it's one thing to be ignorant, but when you combine fear with ignorance, you have ignorance at a whole nother level. You guys here this morning? In other words, how is it that Jesus could speak something very plain to them and it goes right over their head? In fact, the whole idea of a crucifixion and resurrection, they could not get their brains around it. And I would read passages like that and I'd scratch my head. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me, he said, that's because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out yet. How many of you know you cannot understand spiritual things apart from the Holy Spirit? You can't understand the things of God apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why people read their Bible. I don't get nothing out of the Bible. Well, you got to read the Bible with the author of the Bible, and then the author of the Bible, if the author is living inside of you, will teach you what the Bible means, if your heart's right and if you're hungry for God. So here they are. They had no clue about what Jesus was talking about, and then they were afraid to ask. So that's like double compound ignorance taking place right here. But it's because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. And I want you to see this. This is pretty incredible. None of the disciples could get their brain around this resurrected Jesus. And when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the same message. All the disciples are gripped by fear and unbelief. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me because we're talking about moving forward in faith. That was the condition of the men Jesus poured his life into before the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And I'm going I'm to demonstrate from, from the Scriptures a consistent account of fear and unbelief. Look at Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to hit this really quick. Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But right in the midst of worship, look what happened. Some of them were still doubting. Isn't that crazy? So we can be here on Sunday morning worshiping the Lord and yet still be plagued with doubts whether God's with me, whether God's for me, whether God's going to show up. Anybody ever been there? But the, but the difference was they literally physically have Jesus standing in front of them and they still are doubting. Let's look at Mark's testimony, Mark chapter 16. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping. Notice the condition of the disciples. Sorrow, sadness, grief. And she told them what happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Look at verse 12. Afterwards, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. That was the road to Emmaus account. They rushed back to tell the others, but look what happened. No one believed them. Verse 14, still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. And I want you to look at what Jesus did. He rebuked them for their stubborn belief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Now that word stubborn belief in the Greek, it's an interesting picture there. It means literally that there is a hardness of heart, stony hearts, dry hearts, due to a lack of moisture. And I thought this was interesting. It went on to say, an obstinate hard heart, which lacks the oil of the Holy Spirit and hence implies rebellion. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to read the Bible or believe God, but you're just dry? The Holy Spirit's presence is not felt in your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you sense his presence. We want this to be a place when you come into the, into the sanctuary, when you come on the grounds, of course, we're carriers of the Holy Spirit inside, but when we all come together, how many of you know there should be a tangible sense of his manifest presence that's, that's feelable? In other words, wow, God is here. Sometimes your hair stands on end. Sometimes you go, oh my gosh, I got, just got shivers. Now, how many of you know God's bigger than shivers and bigger than hair standing on end, but he's not lesser than that? 
Like, don't ever treat that like that's not important. Sometimes you're singing and you're just weeping because God's so touching your heart. Here's the point. When your heart's not lubricated by the Holy Spirit, it gets dry. And when it gets dry, you fall into unbelief and fear. So let me just tell you, if you're sitting here this morning and your life is troubled by all kinds of things, your mind is racing, you feel overwhelmed, you feel paralyzed, let me tell you what you need. You need the Holy Spirit oil poured on your heart. Because when you get dry, you get fearful. When you get fearful, you start moving in unbelief. And let me just tell you, fear and unbelief have no part in the life of a believer. I'm going to say it again. Fear and unbelief have no part in the life of a believer. I'm going to demonstrate this in some strong words. Look at what Jesus says here. It says they, they refuse to believe. That's why he rebuked them. Now listen, all of us deal with doubt from time to time. Doubt is simply, listen, doubt is when we view a situation from our own perspective and the shortcoming is not on God's side but on my side. Have any of you been called to do something or asked to do something, pray or minister to this person or do this or lead that, and instantly you, your doubt is like this, I don't know if I can really do that. That kind of doubt is normal and good. But doubt when it's applied to the Lord is wicked because what it says is you can do it better than he can do it or you're smarter than he is or your controlling of the situation is better than putting the situation in his hands and God rebukes that. Check this out. Jesus didn't say, come here, you guys. I, I understand it's so hard to believe in me. He rebuked them. Now, why would Jesus rebuke these poor guys? Well, let's keep going up. Let's look at Luke's testimony, Luke 24. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, this is incredible timing by the, by the Lord, Jesus himself suddenly is standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened. They thought they had saw a ghost. Now this is hilarious. Jesus shows up. And they think it's an apparition. They think it's, they think it's Casper the ghost, the friendly ghost here. They're freaking out. Jesus is in their midst. Now, I try to put myself in their shoes. Now, I mean, you know, it's not normal to see people resurrected from the dead that just show up in the middle of a meeting. I understand. That's pretty weird. I mean, we'd all be, who would be struggling with that a little bit? But okay. But it's Jesus. And, and he told you. He told you this is going to happen. And then he does it. So there should be a sense of like, this is awesome. But they're like, this is a ghost. They're freaking out. There's a ghost that just showed up at our prayer meeting. Oh, no. Look what Jesus says. Why are you guys frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Now, I love this. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now, this is incredible. We get embarrassed about our scars. We try to put on makeup. We go get you know, plastic surgery. But this is Jesus' glorified body. And when he says, look at my hands and look at my feet, he's talking about bearing the marks of his suffering for you and I forever and ever and ever. In his best version of his body, he's going to be wearing the marks of his suffering forever as we know it. Now, isn't that amazing? He also, this is his glorified body. Now, remember, Jesus is the first fruits of our glorified body. So Jesus says, touch me. I'm not a ghost. Now, this is good news to me because I don't want to spend eternity as a ghost. I don't know about you, but I like this body. It's not perfect, but it's the only one I've ever had. I kind of have grown fond of it. How about you? So I don't really want to get rid of it. 
So the good news is I'm not going to get rid of it. I'm just trading it in for an upgrade. But it's still going to look like me and be me, only in my better version. Like I said, I'm believing for much hair. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you'll, we'll be able to touch each other, and we'll be able to see each other, and we'll be able to recognize each other. And Jesus is helping the brothers out here. But I want you to see this. I love this. As the, it says, they still stood there in disbelief. Filled with joy and wonder, but still disbelief. And then I love Jesus, because how many know he's the son of God, but he's the son of man? So Jesus makes it real. This is so cool. Jesus asks what every man wishes to ask. What do we got around here to eat? Now, this, we can't miss this moment. This is precious. They're freaking out. They're full of fear and unbelief. Jesus is telling them, I'm not a ghost. Look, touch me. Look at my feet. Not a ghost. And then talk about unspiritual. He goes, hey, anybody got any fish? Anybody got any food? What do you got for lunch? And they're looking at him. Look at what it says next. This is great. They gave him some broiled fish, and he ate it, and they watched you talk about awkward, there's Jesus. And they're going. Still unbelieving, still full of fear, and wonder and joy all mixed together as Jesus is munching some fish. Now every guy in this room should be incredibly happy because when we get our glorified bodies, we're still going to be asking the same questions we asked on planet Earth. Hey, anybody got anything to eat around here? Joel, you're going to be living the dream, baby. What do we got to eat? Which means we're going to enjoy food with glorified taste buds forever. How many know that fish is going to taste really, really good? But notice the point here. They're still struggling with unbelief and doubt and fear all mixed together. Lastly, let's look at John's account. This is John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. Now, why would Jesus say peace be with you? Because, of course, they didn't have any peace. That's why he was blessing them with peace. They were afraid. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. So how many know in addition to his hands and feet, we also know he bears the, the wounds in his side forever, part of his glorified body. And it says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. Now, let me ask you a powerful question. Why did he have to say it twice? Because they were still freaking out. Now, listen, this is important. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, some of my evangelical friends who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit say that this is when the disciples got born again. But you can't be a disciple if you're not born again. These guys already knew Jesus. They were already followers of Jesus. They already loved Jesus. Can I get an amen? All right, there, there wasn't an un unbeliever there. This is the point. Notice he said on them, I am sending you as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you have no intention on doing what Jesus did. You can just come to church and be religious. You'll be mean and nasty and bored and disobedient and rebellious, but you can do that if you want. But I mean, you know, Jesus said, as he came sent by the Father, he's sending us to do the same things. And he breathed on them, and they received 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not for salvation, but to empower them to continue the mission that Jesus got from the Father. How I many you know the mission that Jesus had is our mission? We're not the Savior of the world. Jesus is unique in that. But guess what we do? We're carriers of the good news. We're carriers of the glory. We're supposed to go set the captives free. We're supposed to pray for people that need healing. We're supposed to break yokes of bondage. We're supposed to take over planet Earth. And how I many of you know you can't do any of it apart from a fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're not interested in that, that's fine. Just show up at church, punch your time clock. But you're going to miss out. You will miss out on the reason for your creation and for your new birth. Anybody want to miss out on the most exciting life imaginable? Marion grabs my hand during worship and says, I can't believe we get to do this. What's in her heart? A sense that I, I, we're, we're living the best life. The best life is to be a lover and follower of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and looking to give him away as much as you can. And then to have testimonies of what God's doing. Come on. Now, now let me hit something hard here this morning. Because here are the disciples, marked by two things, fear and unbelief. And, and, and I want to tell you, these two evils go hand in hand. Sometimes we live in unbelief, and our unbelief causes fear to arise in our hearts. Sometimes we're freaked out by the situation and then unbelief sets in later. But how many of you know fear and unbelief are like a hand and glove? They're always together. They're like the ugly, evil twins, all right? And every time we're dealing with fear, we're going to be dealing with unbelief in our hearts and vice versa. This is why the Bible warns us in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, he warns us from developing an evil heart of unbelief. Notice the word evil and unbelief go together. Jesus calls our hearts when they're full of unbelief evil. That's a strong word. It's a word we should be listening to. Now, now, here's what I want you to see. How did Jesus deal with the fear and unbelief? Now, we're living in a very therapeutic culture, a very psychological culture, where we want to counsel people into health. And let me just say, for any counselors in here, I have a degree in counseling. Praise the Lord for counselors. There's a place for counseling. But I just want to tell you what Jesus did with fear and unbelief. He didn't say, you know, Pastor Dick, you're dealing with fear. Um, you know, come meet with me. We'll do an eight, eight-week session on getting you set free from fear. You poor thing, I'm so sorry that you're tormented by fear. Come, let me give you a big big bear hug. How many you know that Jesus didn't say, come here, you guys, you little scaredy pants, get over here. Let me, let me hug you guys and just love on you, you poor things. I know you're afraid, you poor things. That's not what Jesus did. Now, I want to blow your mind here. This blew my mind. What follows every one of these accounts in, in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John after Jesus finds the disciples freaking out, full of fear and full of unbelief, what happens in every single gospel next? Ready for this? The Great Commission. Check this out. Jesus didn't coddle them. He commissioned them. How did he get them free from fear? He increased it. I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. This, this, this is mind-boggling. He did not, oh, come here, you guys. I'm so sorry. You know, you're afraid. I, you know, I understand. If I were you. No, 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 no. You know what he said? After he rebuked them, all authority has been given unto me. Now go and take over planet Earth, and I'll be with you. See ya. That doesn't seem very Jesus pulling the little babies on his lap kind of thing. He, he blew their minds with a commission that was so great that they had to freak out even more and then realize, how are we going to do that? 
And then he said this. He goes, oh, and by the way, don't leave home without the Holy Ghost. Stick around because you can't do this on your own. But here's what I want you to see. Charles Spurgeon said this, We often talk of unbelief as if it were an affliction to be pitied instead of a crime to be condemned. Come here. Let me help you in your unbelief. We need to start looking at unbelief, again, from God's perspective, as something that is incredibly sinful towards the Lord. And something that should not be coddled or treated lightly, or we're not going to go have a therapy session. We need to repent and ask the Lord to get it out of our lives with a sense of urgency. Now, look at this incredible warning that the Bible has for all of us. Now, this is this is about the lake, the fiery lake of burning sulfur. How many of you want to avoid the fiery lake of burning sulfur? The Bible actually gives a characteristic list, a checklist of people that are going to make the lake. Now, how many of you would like to know that list? First of all, it's in Revelation. But how many of you, would, if you knew what was on the list, you would stay away from those things? Am I talking to the right crowd? Now, you, now there are a few ignorant people on planet Earth, and they say things like this. Well, if, that, if that's the way God's going to be, I don't know if I want to go to heaven and be with him anyway. I wouldn't want to be with a God like that. Lake, lakes of fire. I mean, my goodness, what kind of God is that? Well, don't worry, you'll find out because that lake's for you, all right? Because exactly, you'll find out. I mean, it's amazing to me that people are smarter than God. You'd think if God spoke about these things that you'd listen to him and you'd pay attention. That's if you're smart. So let's take a look. Now, now I'm, I don't go to the verse yet, but, but here's the deal. We just talked about two things, fear and unbelief. So how many think we, we should check to make sure that those are not on that list? If they are on the list, we need to run. Go ahead and show the list up there, will you? Cowards and unbelievers. Oh, my gosh. There they are, the first two. Now, some of you are going, well, you know, my unbelief's not that big of a deal. Well, let me tell you what it's, what it's associated with from God's eyes. Corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So let me show you. If we're living, now you're saying, Pastor, are you saying if I struggle with fear, I'm going to go to hell? No, that's not what I'm saying. The key word is struggle. If you live a lifestyle of fear and unbelief, you're going to hell. Along with idolaters, because let me tell you, why do you live in fear and unbelief? Because you don't trust God and you think your way is better, but your way isn't because you get crushed under the weight of it. And because you think your way is better and you won't submit to the Lord and place your faith in God Almighty, you're an idolater. Oh, they're on the list too. Along with witchcraft. Well, what is witchcraft? Check this out. We're talking about hosting the Holy Spirit. Witchcraft is all about control. It's all about managing things for my benefit my health, my wealth, my prosperity, my blessing. It's about control. So witchcraft is when we get in and want to control people and want to control situations. So look at witchcraft is up there. How about people that can't tell the truth? You know, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So people that are full of the Holy Spirit are not chronic liars. Immoral people. We're talking about personal character. 
people who live in a moral lifestyle. Listen, say, Pastor, if I, if I live in sexual sin all my life, am I going to hell? I don't know, but I wouldn't want to bet on the fact that you're not. Because the Bible says people who practice sexual sin are idolaters because they worship their own personal pleasure over God. They love their own pleasure more than they love God. Now, that's what the Bible says. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for verses that wake me up, that put the fear of the Lord in. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit teaches you to fear the Lord. So people that say I'm a Christian and that live a lifestyle of that are, are denying the faith. And they're worse than a reprobate, an infidel. So I don't want that. And the first two things are cowards and unbelievers. Can I just tell you something? There are, there are pastors that during the last two and a half years did not take a stand because they were afraid that if they took a stand, they would make somebody mad. Now, let me just tell you what that is. It's, it's the second word. If you go to a church and your pastor doesn't have enough guts to tell you the truth and to make you uncomfortable at times with the word of God, you need to find a, a, a true shepherd, all right? If, if you're offended by that, if you're offended by that. We should, how many know, you cannot grow unless you change and you cannot change unless you're uncomfortable. Says, I just want to go to a church where I'm comfortable. Go to a funeral parlor because that will, that will be more closely adapted to your needs, all right? You can just sit there and it's all quiet. You don't have to say anything or do anything or talk to anybody. You just go and sit down and you can leave, all right? But you will not grow into Christ-likeness because the Holy Spirit will constantly be pushing us. How many of you have had your faith grow, your faith stretch? In other words, you find situations facing you that are bigger giants than the giant you had last year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, greater devils for greater levels, all right? As we move in God, it doesn't always get easier. Sometimes it gets more challenging, but what's God trying to do? He's trying to grow us. He's trying to bring us into Christ's likeness. He's trying to make us people who believe him. And listen, I, there's a fine line, okay, fine line between folks that say, well, I prayed about this and nothing happened, and so I'm just going to trust that my current condition is the will of God. Stop giving up the fight. That's the good fight of faith, is it not? Stop giving up the fight because you've lost hope and now you've embraced unbelief as a lifestyle when God's wanting you to stir up your faith again and move forward. That's why, listen, why are we preaching this message on this recommitment Sunday? Because I get this. If we don't move forward in faith, we don't see the supernatural provision of God. And if we don't see the supernatural provision of God, that building is not coming out of that ground. That building comes out of the ground by faith. It comes out of the ground when people in this room start realizing, wait a minute, for this to happen, God has got to expand my income. I'm trying to provoke you into more, not irritate you into less. Now, some of you, again, that spirit of unbelief, right? there they go, talking about money. You'll just stay. You, you can keep believing about that stupid lie the rest of your life and stay in unbelief and live below God, or you can actually believe that I am a man of God and I'm trying to push you and watch you move into a situation where you're going to be expanded and grow and where God can do supernatural things through not only your life but your pocketbook. That's what I'm trying to do. So... So, 
I just lost my in. All right. So I want to provoke you today with me. Thank you, Pastor Dick. We're not going to, hey, were you with me? We're not living in faith. I mean, sorry, we're not living in fear. We're not living in unbelief. We're going to move forward. Why are, why are you here this morning? Because we move forward. Why are you here this morning? Because we opened our doors. Why are you here this morning? I don't see anybody wearing masks, but if you want to, you can. Why are you here? Why are we, why are we sitting next to each other? And hu- we have a hug time. Mm. Why do we do that? Because we're going to default on faith every single time. Every single time. So I want you to see this. When you're afraid and you feel overwhelmed, here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do to you. He's going to challenge you for more. He's not going to coddle you into less. Marion was praying with a number of people or with a number of ladies over the week. But here's the deal. Sometimes we, we get into a situation where we get comfortable with our head knowledge of God, but we have no uh, experience of God in that area. And let me just tell you something. An idea, a godly idea, can enlighten you, but it takes a godly encounter to transform you. In other words, you can share Bible knowledge with somebody and it's true and it's good and it's the Lord but when you share something from experience that comes out of your life with anointing on it it brings transformational power which is why you cannot settle to just be a Bible knowledge person that's why listen I'm always scary of these people that I'm the Bible answer man I run from those people are you kidding me I can't wait for when Jesus is just standing there with a smile on his face going no you got that one wrong no It's not what I meant about that verse either. No, no, you're not really the Bible answer guy. You're the Bible arrogant guy who thinks that that your study of the scriptures is superior to everybody else's and you got all the answers. Listen, run from people that have all the answers. It's only one person that has all the answers. The Holy Spirit has all the answers. Everybody, or all the rest of us, we're kind of walking in the dark and trying to get around as best as we can. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And it's why you need more than just a Bible verse knowledge. You need the Bible to explode in your heart so it's part of your life. Because when, when you encounter God, you encounter the fullness of his presence in your life and you're wrecked and your heart gets lubricated with the Holy Spirit oil and then you're, you're enticed for more of the Lord. You can't be content with where you're at now. It's not about just going to church and checking the box. You want to see God move through your life to impact people. It's no longer even about you. It's not about your healing or your comfort. You have been so transformed. You live for the presence of God, the power of God, the pleasure of God, and you want to touch people's lives, and you want to see the glory of the Lord in your generation. You you can't just read about revival. You want to be in revival. You, You can't just read about healing you want to see the power of God you don't want to read the stories this this is not history class you hear me this is not history class we're doing the work we're living the gospel it's what God's writing now and God hasn't changed so so this is this is meant to whet our appetite and I'm just telling you, the Lord will challenge you in your hunger for the Holy Spirit, not by causing you to shrink back. Oh, yes, yeah, sit on the sideline for a while, take a break. He never does that. 
sit on the sideline, take a breath. He challenges you to greater responsibility, and he will always freak you out before he transforms you. You know how I know that? I didn't read that in the book. I learned that by experience. I believe we're being set up to shepherd a great move of God. And let me tell you why I know this. Because I know you guys. And I know your lives. And I know your experience. And I know your hunger for God. And I know you're teachable. And I know the way, listen, I know the way that you love so well. And so here's what I see happening. You ready for this? We saw some, Marion was calling out some of you because there was such a response for prayer. There weren't enough people designated for prayer, so she was looking around, everybody that she knew that, come up, yeah, come up, come up. All these people that she knew from Living Stones. And here's what happened with some of them when, when you get called. Like my dad was the expert on this. He'd be speaking at this big meeting. He said, hey, before I get going, I want my son to come up and just share his testimony with you a little bit. And he would not have told me anything about that before that moment. And I'm sitting on the front row going. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, give him a hand, yeah. And, and, that's what he did. and I come walking up there. I literally had about five seconds. And, and you know what I was doing? God help me, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit help me. Holy Spirit help me. And I'm, I got all this stuff and I go around saying, hey everybody. <laughs> but this is what would happen when I would open up my mouth and start sharing spontaneously, relying on the Holy Spirit. We had this happen, by the way, Jim and Sherry D. in Honduras. They found out literally about 30 seconds before the evening service was to start that actually somebody from the team was supposed to preach. Now, how would you like to know that somebody from the team is supposed to preach 30 seconds before they call your name? And they're all going, someone's supposed to speak. And, hey there, open your Bibles, all right? I'm going to share. And, and this was happening. The, the entire team, I think there was four or five of them there at the church, all shared something. It was incredible because it was from the Holy Ghost. And it's because people just were open. Now, here's what happened. There were people that were the same way, like, what, you want me to pray? You want me to pray? I didn't have a class on that. But guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And this is what I'm talking about. When you jump into the river of what God's doing, there is a supernatural supersizing that takes place. And you begin to flow in whatever the anointing is. So you're praying for somebody, and now all of a sudden you're getting intel from the Holy Spirit that you've never received before, and the person's weeping or because or, it just the hammer struck the, the nail right in their heart, broke, broke the, the stony heart, and the tears start to flow. Now listen, when you experience that for the first time and you see somebody touched, my daughter had a lady come up to her, been in bondage for something her, her, most of her whole life. And she didn't even know what to pray. She's like, oh my gosh, this is over my head. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. She can't even remember what she said. But she just spoke out of her heart. That woman came up to her the next day, waved at her across the room. She said, my life has been absolutely transformed. Now, that was not because of my daughter's special prayer that she learned going through this high-tech course on praying for people. That was through a desperate heart who just wanted to bless somebody and who let the Holy Spirit speak through them. And I'm going to knock. <laughs> For those of you watching online, this has happened again. This was five minutes ago, the same. 
<laughs> Maybe the prophetic sign is this. I need help. How about you? I need help. How about you? But here's my point. I want to woo you with the beauty and the power of moving to the next level in the Holy Spirit, realizing it's not about, here's the way I love that passage about Jesus, last comment. When Jesus says, what's to eat? He forever gets out of the spooky zone. You know, sometimes when you start talking about more of the Holy Spirit, people start trying to have out-of-body experiences. You know, they try to glow in the dark. They try to walk on water. They, they try to do all... The Bible says that the signs follow those who believe. Like, we're not trying to do all these crazy mystical things and have these encounters in the third heaven and have 15 angels talk to us in our bedroom. That's what scares people away from the Holy Spirit, to be totally honest. But when God, in, the, in a bod, Jesus, says what's to eat, and he just walked through the door and showed up, which means there's something crazy about what's going on. Like, he's got a supernatural body. But he asked for some food, I like that because here's the, the Holy Spirit's real practical. Now, he does crazy, awesome stuff that's very impractical. And he's supernatural, so don't get too familiar with him. But understand that he loves people. And he wants to restore people. And so he's not trying to put on a freak show. He's trying to release the love of God and the power of God to touch people. So he needs me to cooperate and he needs you to cooperate. And how about this? And he needs us not to control him by putting a lid on what we think he can and can't do. Some of you, I want to challenge, some of you are coming from denominations where you have been told God doesn't do what Jesus did anymore in our culture. And the reason he doesn't, you've been told, is because you have a Bible. Thank God for the Bible, but the Bible is not the mission of Jesus being lived out through his people. It's the Bible. It's the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's wanting to replicate the ministry of Jesus. How many think people still need delivered today? How many think people are still sick today and they need a touch? How many think people are still lost today and they need a Savior? How many think people need a supernatural financial miracle today? I mean, this has not changed. The human plight has not changed. So why would God change or dumb down the program? Some of you, though, you got a lid of unbelief because you've been taught terribly that God's not doing this anymore, and the Bible's become a history book that we just read around and read about the good old days, and we wait for heaven, we wait for Jesus to return. Get that idea out of your mind because it will turn you into the most boring Christian for the rest of your life. You'll live in fear, you'll live in unbelief, you won't expect anything from God, and because of that, you won't see God do a fraction of the things that he intends to do. But what if we just believe that the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, came to live inside of us and to empower us and to break our hearts and fill us with compassion and purify us and give us the mind of Christ and give us the power to lay hands on people and pray for people and love people and see the supernatural demonstration of the heart of God in our generation. I want to go to a church like that. How about you? Okay, three of you do. We're early in this series. I might have to kick over another letter just to get your guys' attention up here. Here's what we're going to do. Jesus said, hey, guys, I got this massive uh, commission, but you're going to fail epically if you don't wait for the promise. And this is what he said in Luke 24, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. 
stay here, guys, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That's what I'm talking about, power from heaven. So our worship team is making their way up here. I want you to get your card out. And remember, there's three, three different categories that we're, we're dealing with this morning. Some of you are brand new at Living Stones, and I was just encouraging you to pray and obey and participate today. That's the first little circle on there. So if you're brand new and you're making a, a faith pledge today, that's you to check off that. Some of you have already seen God meet your three-year pledge in one year, so I was encouraging you, hey, let's do it again. Let's, let's go back to the Lord. Let's ask Him what He wants to do. Then the last group are people who just say, hey, I'm going to maintain our current commitment. We're just going to keep moving forward. Praise the Lord for that as well. So here's what we're going to do. As we worship, I want us to move in faith. We're going to have some guys get that big old bucket up here. In fact, Milton, come on down with that. We got a nice big bucket because uh, we got big faith. But I want you to drop, just come up. But here, don't just, we're not like walking up, drop a paper in it. I want you to do a transaction with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit and just say, Lord, I believe you have spoken. I believe I'm taking you at your word and I thank you what you're going to do as we partner together. And as you throw that in there, let your declaration of faith be the dropping of this and the release of your faith for God to do things, all right? Um, we're going to worship, and then we're going to lift this up before the Lord, and we're going to pray you out of here this morning because we're believing God for supernatural increase. Now, listen, I'm pr praying that over your life. I'm praying for blessing over your life, unexpected blessing, so that God can do through us what he wants to. All right, so stand to your feet, and uh, Lord, here we go. We're moving forward. We're moving ahead. We're moving in faith and not unbelief. We're moving, Lord, uh, not in fear, but in great confidence in you, Lord. Apart from you, Lord, we're nothing. So have your way with us. And as we sow, Lord, we thank you in advance for meeting all of our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him. I want somebody to come up here and gather around the uh, bucket with us. Let's form a, uh, an army around this bucket in faith. Stay up here, Joel. Get your hands on that thing. Jerry. Hey, let's all lock our hearts together. I love these prophetic moments. Lord, here we are at the beginning of the second year of our faith walk, Lord, for this building. Lord, the economy is up and down and unpredictable. Lord, there's so many things going on around us we have absolutely no control over. But Lord, we just put our faith in you that you're bigger than the economy, you're bigger than the natural stuff that's happening. Lord, we thank you we live in the kingdom of God. And Lord, your kingdom is always booming, it's growing, it's increasing. And so Lord, we just, we just bring that reality down right here and now. And Father, we confess that this job is too big for us alone. But Lord, it's much too small when we partner with you. So we thank you, Lord, for the way you spoke to your people. And I pray blessing. I pray increased faith. Lord, I, I, pray, I pray, Lord, that you move us ahead with boldness and confidence. And Lord, that you enlarge us. And Lord, break off the strongholds of unbelief and fear that we all struggle with, Lord, and cause us to move in the joy of the Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we lift this up together. We lift this bucket over our heads. We, we present it to you, God. All this is is pieces of paper with numbers on it. But Lord, in your eyes, it's, it's, it's work we've done. It's faith, it's praying, it's seeking you, it's obeying. And so Lord, we lift it up as a sacrifice, an offering, Lord, of our faith to you. 
And Lord, we thank you that over the next two years, three years, we're going to see you do crazy creative miracles in our midst. And so, Lord, we place these in your hands like the loaves and the fish. Lord, multiply them. Do crazy stuff, Lord, through our simple acts of trust and obedience. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you, Lord, in advance. We're excited to partner with you, King of glory. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Now, one more thing. If you need prayer, you don't know the Lord. You need healing in your body. You need someone to agree with you about something. Maybe you're struggling with fear or unbelief. Let's break that stronghold off of your life today, all right? Come on down. Let somebody pray with you. Otherwise, have an amazing day. We love you guys.